everybody. Welcome back to a new edition of Bitch Breathe. I am your host, Ricardia Bramley. So today I was thinking about a very important issue that I've been dealing with and know other people to deal with for many, many years. And I want to first of all say that I'm going to be again speaking from a heteronormative perspective because that's the one I mostly have my experience in. But if you are in a different constellation, even more, I would love to hear from you as I only once dated a woman and for a longer period of time, not really. So maybe I can't speak from that perspective necessarily. The other day I was talking to a friend of mine, her relationship had recently ended and she was very, very broken up about it. And we spoke for hours and hours and while I was listening to her and trying to find the right words, sort of balancing my own issues around the whole idea of a relationship ending with what was going on with her and trying to disentangle the two because even though breakups and relationships have similar dynamics sometimes, in the end they are individual love stories. So when my friend was talking, I kept thinking, why is this so hard for her? Like, why does she feel not just, oh, I'm sad, the relationship is over, but the word that kept coming up was abandonment, that she felt abandoned. And I thought about this because the choice of words around big emotions, I think is very telling. You know, she could have said, I feel so sad, or I feel so disappointed, or I really thought this was going to go a different way, or maybe she feels like, or we feel like we're not going to find another person like this. Whatever it is, there's a certain kind of language that we will employ when a big deal is happening. And for her, as is for me around the breakup, it was abandonment. And I noticed that it was triggering me. Keep in mind, if a good friend, family member is in a lot of grief or in big emotion, it's not always easy to sort of separate from them, right? So in that moment, I, for myself, noticed my own abandonment situations that I have experienced in the past were coming up. And try as I might to feel for her, but to divide her situation and mine, it wasn't working so well. So that, of course, told me, okay, there are still issues that I want to deal with and maybe speak about in my podcast today. And I want to say that obviously I can only ever speak from my perspective, which is predominantly female, even though I have a lot of masculine energy. I did speak to male friends when they broke up or when they spoke about breakups that they've had in the past. Hey, so what is that like for you? And um, sometimes they called me when it had just transpired. And I noticed that their language was very different. They never got all fundamentally down on themselves, starting to list their own shortcomings or maybe relating this to a past of abandonment issues. Whereas with my female friends, and including myself, it often becomes this fundamentally abandoned state. So I began to ask myself, why is that? And why is there a difference? And when I look at the different upbringings, I wonder, because we look at the different childhoods and the experiences, and I wonder, even when parents stayed, even in happier childhoods, and certainly in ones where both or one of the parents left, women feel abandoned much more easily and resoundingly 
when a relationship ends or when not even the relationship ends, but her partner tends to be much more independent or needs more free time or has a lot of hobbies that he then shares with other friends. And even then, even if it's not a relationship that's breaking up, we often feel abandoned. Why? And it's a question I've asked myself for many years and more acutely, of course, when a breakup occurred, because I thought, my God, why am I just so not just sad, but I'm in a really scary place here. I'm, I feel like I've been cornered into a very dark room and nobody can get me out of here because nobody seems to feel the kind of depth of emotion that I'm currently experiencing. Apart from the fact that that is major drama queen material, maybe in some ways or in a more humorous context, it also speaks to past trauma or unresolved issues. So I thought, well, are we just all collectively traumatized women and we all have baggage? So once we're in our 40s, it's like, yeah, that's right. You say something wrong. I'm going to feel like my inner child just got abandoned, right? I like to make humor of this sometimes because I feel like, my God, are we really dealing with this again? But yes, we are. So a few things that I came up with when I thought about why indeed we as women respond to breakups or our partners needing more freedom and independence with this horrible feeling of abandonment. The first thing I'm going to start off with, because it comes up in so many sociological contexts and a lot of self-help gurus mention this, I'm afraid, even business and marketing specialists, they all talk about how we're hardwired for connection. Now, even though that is the case for all human beings, for the entire species, as women, we're not just hardwired for it, we're really, really good at it. We're good at connection. We read people, we sense what is going to happen before it will, we anticipate emotions, and then preemptively meet needs that haven't even been verbalized yet, whether it's our children, our partners, our parents. I once read this uh, wonderful quote, I can't remember who said it, and they said, that um, people pleasers start as parent pleasers. And I thought that was very interesting in this context of abandonment, but more about that later. So anyway, because we're so good at connection, we do it very easily. We get attached way too easily. And one of the reasons why I don't even want to get into the nature nurture debate, like have we been brought up to connect more easily? Or is that something that's put into our systems because that is what is expected? I don't think it's necessarily crucial to investigate that particular aspect. But what I think is interesting is to look at one little hormone that you've probably heard about and that puts us at a really big disadvantage, which is that cuddly hormone, oxytocin. So as you've probably heard many times before, when we engage physically with another partner, it doesn't take too many rounds for us to start to imagine or conjure up, I want to say, a relationship with this sexual partner because the oxytocin that's flowing clearly is a connecting hormone. It makes us connect to this person. I know from personal experience, you put me in a situation where I'm having sex just a few times, I can still kind of pull out. <laughs> Sorry, no pun intended. But if it happens over a longer period of time, I'm going to start imagining a future with this person, knowing he's incompatible with me or she, knowing that this is probably totally fantastical, ah, oh, that's not going to stop me. I'm going to try and go for it anyway. And I think I want to blame this 
partly on oxytocin. So just understanding that we're both hardwired for connection, even more than the male species, I feel. I'm just going to totally claim that. And the other part is the hormones. Not that we're a hormonal mess. I'm not trying to sort of cater to that whole stereotype, but really, truly, oxytocin gets released. If you've ever breastfed your baby, you'll notice what it feels like. So those things I just wanted to send ahead. And something that happens maybe as a result of these two things, or maybe because of our upbringing, I'm no psychologist, keep in mind any kind of psychology I employ here, total pop psychology and my own experience. But I think we're relationship control freaks. We ask ourselves and then this potential partner whom maybe we've been meeting with or even sleeping with very quickly we ask well, where is this going like by week two we're like is there a perspective here and I love what Eckhart Tolle once said about this you really have to listen into his little podcast and segments that he does because he's he's quite funny actually he's not just this power of now guru he has a really really killer sense of humor and he says when somebody asks you that in a new relationship where you've only just gotten together a few you know, weeks or so ago, where is this going? Or I don't know where this is going. He said, well, yeah, you don't <laughs> because that's all you have. You don't have any future here yet because this is the now. So yes, you don't know now where this is going and nobody can answer for you where this is going. And I thought, how great, how much freedom is an understanding that if we stay in the moment, if we stay in the now, we really don't know where this is going. And to maybe be able to sit with that, to stay with the discomfort, as we say in yoga, not knowing, to stay in this place of not knowing. And I thought that was super helpful to really sort of pull back when we notice especially in a new relationship, you know, you're, you're meeting a lot, there's this whole symbiotic energy, maybe you're having all the sex, but it will create sometimes when you then leave this partner just for the day, this sort of down feeling, you're like, oh, oh, it's only been an hour, but I'd really like to go back, I'd like to go back to their apartment, I'm like almost homesick for this person, this new person, then you already know you've entered the land of abandonment issues. And to so keep coming back to you don't know where this is going, and you don't have to. Another dynamic that I thought was interesting, and this actually applies not just to our fear of abandonment and our anxiety around that whole issue, is the fact that we get distracted from ourselves and our purpose, we as women now, very easily. I've noticed this because I'm a mother and because I've been married twice. So I've been in relationships for most of my adult life, as you will have known if you've listened to the odd episode before this one. So whether I'm hardwired for it or not, I'm always engaged. I've always been engaged in relationships with people. I've always had friends, a good community of people around me, and I like to take care of everybody because you know, maybe that's just me, but it makes me feel good that I take care of my mom. I check out how my son is doing. And if friends aren't doing well, I'm sure to check in with them. It's important to me. But in the process of all this being a good friend, daughter, mother, I'm terribly distracted from being me, from being Ricardia, from being that person behind the name Ricardia, behind this physical body and face. Who's she? And where the hell does she hang out all day, every day? Because she does not show up when I'm constantly engaged with others. And as women, 
Because the cables in our brain seem to run that way, we're constantly drawing from all these other people. And I'm not saying we're good people or better people because of it, because it's not entirely unselfishly motivated. It makes me feel like a good person when I take care of other people. That's a totally ego-driven motive, if you will. So that's not what I'm trying to get at. But we do get distracted by other people awfully easily. And we're like the scatterbrained people running around the place. And it often even comes across like we don't know what we're doing, right? Because we're always in several different places. So to sort of understand that if we, instead of flashing 20 flashlights at 20 different people or situation, to bundle the flashlight and make it the laser, the power that we actually have and who we actually are. And that brings me to my next point. Because of all this distraction, We've lost our sense of power. We don't even clearly know how to define it anymore sometimes. And this is me talking in my 40s. I think younger women and that whole new wave of feminism, I think they're not dealing, or I hope, I can't speak for you ladies, I'd love to hear from you, but I hope they're not dealing with this sense of lost power as they grow older. But me, I definitely had it all the time, and I certainly had it during a breakup. So when I'm in that abandonment situation... Clearly, I have given away power. I am bleeding power. Whether it's for a good cause, your mom, your your children, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you're spending it on frivolous stuff either. It's about calling the power back to us, about recognizing what that means. And I remember in workshops, people would, women would often talk about power. And I'm always like, well, what does that mean? What am I supposed to sit here now in lotus position and just hang out until Buddha says, now, young one, you have power? Like, what does it mean to rein the power back in? It took me a moment to understand that. And when it came to me, it was when I was actually quarantined just now due to the pandemic because a family member had been diagnosed positive. So now I was in quarantine and I had a lot of time on my hands. I was working, but there was nobody to meet. I could call people on the phone, but that gets old after a while, as we all know in the pandemic now. And I started to listen in without having to try. And that is when I realized Dear God, where did my writing go? Where did all my own thoughts go? Like, when was the last time I heard my own voice this loudly? And I tried to recapitulate and I couldn't. I couldn't remember when I had last dug this deep and not felt bothered by it or not felt like, oh, I guess I should do this. I guess I should meditate because that's when God is going to come visit, you know, (laughs) that kind of feeling. No, it was just, it was happening automatically and it felt so good. It felt so, so good. And I noticed that I am able to pull back. I don't have to take care of everyone. And especially since I am in a romantic relationship also, I was able to pull back from needing that to constantly be going on and have that attention rained on me all the time. No, I don't need it because me, I'm enough over here. I'm not producing great things right now. I'm not learning a new skill a new language. I'm just hanging out with me and turns out I'm not that boring. Turns out I'm quite interesting to talk to. (laughs) She says, the narcissist alter ego says, but I thought it was very interesting that as mothers, especially to come back to us, get those two hours a day, however you have to fight or pay for them in terms of money, (laughs) that is, but trying to come back to that, to regain a sense of power. And in that context, I was reminded of something a friend of mine said to me. I was complaining that I sometimes 
can't properly navigate the balance between proximity to my boyfriend and being independent. Like if I spend a lot of time with him, suddenly I'm like all over him, not clingy, although maybe we should probably bring him in for the next episode, but like feeling like everything around him is very, very important. And she said to me, Ricardia, here's an exercise for you. If all men were dead and you were not a lesbian, what would you do? And that sounds a little too simple. You're like, oh, gee, big insight. It is simple, but it's not banal. Because when she said that to me, and she said it a couple of years ago to me, and then again, just a few months ago, I began to somehow now, I don't know, you know how sometimes you hear something and you don't really pay attention to it. But then another life phase, suddenly what you heard or you're hearing again is very meaningful and applicable to that life phase right now. And I started to think about it a lot. And I realized there's so much power here too. What would we women do if they weren't here? I'm talking about this not just in a romantic context. I'm talking about business, our career aspirations, the way we raise our children, and very importantly, our female friendships. How would we cultivate and curate our lives and our relationships if men were no longer in the picture? Now, guys, if you're listening, I love you <laughs> too much sometimes, so please don't be offended. But for us women to really sort of maybe go into this exercise and imagine, fantasize, what would you do every day? Would you make a coffee or three in the morning? Small things. You don't have to change the world. I mean, dolphins need help, but maybe that's not your cause. And to look at that and see who you might be and what you might do. And in that context, like I mentioned, to recharge with the powerful women in your life, keep coming back to them. That's who recharges me. I love being around men. I love their physicality. I love how they just like want to fix stuff and like, you know, come at this from like a very simplistic um, perspective sometimes. And I love their thinking in, in many, many ways. But if you asked me who truly recharges my batteries, it's always the women. It always is because I don't have to explain too much. And I certainly don't feel like I have to apologize. And I see myself in them and I can see my full power because I look at them and I'm like, damn, you're smart. You're accomplished. You're powerful. And I know if this is my friend, if this is my mother, my sister, then this is me too. And a small little thing, I know we talk about this a lot, is to know your worth. I think it was Socrates who said, know thyself. And I'm going to add to that, to know your worth and to know that it is not defined by your relationship status. So when you feel this abandonment situation going on and you're all alone and now maybe, you know, you've even lost status. I know that was it for me sometimes. Like now I didn't have a guy to back me up physically and emotionally. I didn't feel as worthy in society, which is crazy. I know, I know it shames me to even admit it, but you know, hindsight's always twenty twenty. But to know that our worth is not defined by our relationship status. And so when we feel abandoned to know we're still worthy, we're still valuable. And just because we feel alone doesn't make it true. And very lastly, it's always about us. I'm not saying to do away with relationships. I'm going to be honest with you. I prefer being in relationships, but I also prefer to be free rather than needy. And thinking about this in a relationship, when the relationship is over, or if this person needs a lot of freedom and we feel abandoned, then what helped me in my new relationship was to keep saying to myself, 
girl, you've only known this guy for three months or six months or however long it is. How could he possibly be so important that you dig up all your abandonment issues from previous relationships or your childhood and make this whole thing and him that important or her? How? It's not possible because this person was nobody to you six months ago. You didn't even know this person. Your destiny, your career, your self-worth had nothing to do with what is almost still a stranger. And even if we've been with this person longer, two years, three years, how much is that compared to the years we've spent before this person showed up? And to keep understanding that, yes, this person is a valuable person. It doesn't make them necessarily bad because they left or we left them. But to keep their importance in a sensible proportion, I want to say. If we feel abandoned acutely and we're suffering so much from the end of this relationship or the fact that this person is going on a vacation for a week or going on a business trip and we're going to be alone for that week, if we suffer a lot because of that, there's something else going on. It's not about this person. And we're going to have to use their absence to dig deeper and to not tire of this, I want to say, archaeological undertaking of finding out, digging up bone by bone, what is going on here? Why is this making me suffer so much? Why does it seem so important? And I want to leave you with a a funny thing. I had just started dating my beau for not such a long time. And I think it must have been week two or something where I said to him, listen, so I just need to know, is this just about sex for you? Or like, is this going anywhere? Like, I I just need to know because then I'm going to, you know, adjust my behavior accordingly. (laughs) And I thought to myself, I cannot believe I just said that. Could I be any more controlling? And he says to me with that dry sense of humor that he has, well, I kind of was keeping the marriage proposal for tomorrow. And I thought that was really funny because my fear of abandonment was kicking in in week two. Two weeks before, this dude was nobody to me. Like he was an acquaintance that I knew. I couldn't have cared less if he wanted to move to Timbuktu or, you know, have 10 wives and 50 children. It wouldn't have mattered. But in week two, my abandonment thing was already kicking in. And that's when I knew I have to work on this. So I'm very curious to hear about your situations, whatever they are right now. I hope you don't feel abandoned. And if you do, that maybe some of this was helpful. Looking forward to the exchange with you. Thank you for commenting on the podcast. Please continue to do so wherever you get your podcast. And I hope to hear from you soon. Sending lots of love.